Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So how's life? If a friend asks you that question these days, uh, some interesting responses you could probably give, right? Um, Crazy? A little weird? Maybe surreal? Uh, Maybe quarantined? Uh, Maybe a little scary? Fearful, not knowing what's going to happen? But what about the answer that life is great? (laughs) You probably wouldn't give that answer, hear that answer, unless you're saying that sarcastically, right? But dear Christian, life is great. And it's not about the circumstances of life right now. It's not because life is going just the way you want it to, as if it ever does anyways. But life is great. Because of Christ, because of his life for you, and because of your life with him. We're taking a look this morning at the gospel lesson that's appointed for the fourth Sunday in Lent from Matthew chapter 20. And we're going to walk through this lesson together and see that life really is great because of Christ, no matter what. And so our lesson starts out where Jesus is, he's he's going to... Jerusalem with his disciples. And and so it says in the first few verses, he's going up to Jerusalem, and on the way he took the twelve aside and said to them, We're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. And on the third day he will be raised to life. So here Jesus is uh, on a trip to Jerusalem, and this was common for them that they would make journeys to Jerusalem, but this was no ordinary journey. And so Jesus kind of has a pit stop here, pulls them off on the side of the road because he wants them to know that, that this journey to Jerusalem, is, it's going to be different than the other ones. Now he's already told them before on a number of occasions what's going to happen eventually, but this is it. And we're probably just a few weeks away from Holy Week when Jesus speaks these words. And he wants them to know, he wants them to be sure what's They know what's going to happen when when they arrive there. That those enemies of Jesus who have been looking for a couple of years now for a reason uh, to put him to death, that they're going to have their opportunity now. And he's going to be handed over to the Gentiles, to those Romans, and they are going to mock him, and they're going to flog him, and they're going to crucify him. But Jesus tells them, don't worry. Don't be afraid by what I'm saying, because that is not the end. Because... I will rise from the dead on the third day. What do you think about this? Is Jesus' life going great right now? Because in his humanity, in his human nature, he knows what's coming. He's afraid. He's fearful of the the suffering and the death that he will undergo. He's telling this to his disciples Because he wants them to be aware, but it's also for him too. If you're going through a difficult time in life and you're struggling with something and something's really weighing on you, it helps you to to talk to somebody about it, that that you trust, that you know is going to support you and encourage you. And that's what Jesus is doing here. It's it's to let them know, but it's also for his benefit because he knows how difficult this is going to be. Because in his divinity, it's not ignorance is bliss here. He knows exactly what's going to happen. 
He knows the suffering and the pain and how awful it's going to be. Life for Jesus is not really great right now. But oddly enough, what that means is that life is great for you. Because this is no ordinary man. This is no ordinary man who's going to be wrongly beaten and accused. This is no ordinary man who is going to be wrongly put to death for something he didn't do. That's happened many times before. This is no ordinary man who will be crucified. This is no ordinary man, no ordinary suffering, no ordinary death. Because this is God himself in human flesh. This is the culmination of all the Old Testament promises and prophecies standing right before them who will fulfill everything that God has promised to do for his people. This is the one who can suffer hell on behalf of a world of sinners. This is the only one who can take on himself the curse of sin and satisfy God's wrath. This is no ordinary man. This is no man who just came to be a good example for us to follow. This is no ordinary man who just came to be a good teacher or even just a miracle worker or even just a martyr. This is the Redeemer of all people. This is the one who can free us from our sins. This is the one who can face death and defeat it for us. This is the only one who could do this so that we could be set free. And more than the death, Jesus assures his disciples and us that he would be raised to life on that third day. And so this is the one that can only conquer death. This is the one that can walk out of a tomb on his own two feet, alive and well. This is the only one who can assure us that the devil is powerless over us, that every sin has really been paid for, And that the grave cannot hold us either. Friends, life for Jesus at this moment is not real great. Because he knows what is coming very soon. But do you see that because of this, because Jesus is going up to Jerusalem to face suffering and death for us, life for us is great. Because what this means for you is that no matter what's going on in life, no matter if it's a virus that's confining you to your house, or it's the fear of financial disaster, or of losing your job, or maybe concerns about a marriage on the rocks, or maybe the battle with sin and temptation in your life, no matter what, Life is great because this Savior went up to Jerusalem for you. Because you know in these times of uncertainty that you can have certainty. That in these times of so much that's unknown, this is what is known and is for sure That because of the life and the death and the resurrection of this Savior, Jesus Christ, your Savior, there is nothing you have to fear. 
It doesn't matter what the future holds because your God knows already what's going to happen. That there is no sin that you can commit today that Jesus has not already paid for. That there is nothing that you need to worry about in this life, not even death itself, because your Savior Jesus has already gone through all of it already for you so that he can sympathize with you in your weaknesses and in your fears and strengthen you and help you in your time of need. Dear friends, your life is great. No matter what is going on, no matter what the future might hold, because you are loved by the almighty creator of heaven and earth. You are in the nail-marked hands of your crucified and risen Savior. You have the assurance, the certain hope, that the inheritance of eternal life is already yours right now. Dear friends, life is great because of the life and death of Christ for you. Do you know what the disciples reaction was to this little roadside speech by Jesus? According to uh, the the Gospel of Matthew, uh, there's really no response. Instead, they were just too busy thinking about how they could be great with Jesus' help in another way. Two of the men have Jesus talk to their mother. This is where it picks up at verse 20. It says, The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and, kneeling down, asked a favor of him. What is it you want, he asked. She said, grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right hand and the other at your left in your kingdom. These sons of Zebedee, you probably know them better as James and John, two of Jesus' closest friends. Uh, And they bring mommy along because they want uh, her to talk to Jesus on their behalf, right? And and the request is, uh, Jesus, make my sons great. Make them great in the eyes of the world. Make them honored Men, let them sit on each side of you in your kingdom. What wouldn't a mom do for her sons, right? (laughs) But what a misguided request. This is how Jesus responds to her and to James and John. He says in verse 22, You don't know what you are asking, Jesus said to them. Can you drink the cup I'm going to drink? We can, they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my Father. So what is this first? What is this cup that Jesus is talking about? Well, think and fast forward to the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus is praying. And he's praying to his Father, Father, if there's another way, let this cup be taken from me. And so the cup that Jesus is referring to here is the cup of suffering, right? Just what he was talking to his disciples about, all of these things that are going to happen to him, right? The cup of suffering and wrath of God that is going to be poured out upon him that he will have to drink for us. And he asks the question to James and John, who, again, they're, they're oblivious to what's happening right now and, and not, not getting what Jesus is talking about. And he says, can you drink this cup I'm going to drink from? Right? And, and not expecting uh, you know, an affirmative answer, of course, because they have no idea what this cup Jesus is going to drink is even all about. And they say, yes, we can. But Jesus says, you will indeed drink from my cup. Right? It changes from the cup I'm going to drink to you will drink from my cup. 
So what Jesus is saying to James and John and what we get to see thousands of years later and put all together is that Jesus would go and he would drink that cup of suffering and wrath for us so that we would never have to. But now we get to drink of his cup. And that's where greatness comes. We get to drink of that cup of salvation. We get to drink of that cup of forgiveness and life that refreshes us and revives us. That promise that we are right with God, that we are at peace with him. And Jesus says, greatness is not found in places in my kingdom to sit at my right and left. But greatness is found in the eyes of God who says, you are right in my sight. You are loved by me because of what my son did for you. You get to drink of the cup of salvation, which makes you honored in my sight. To be able to live with me forever in heaven, to live in my presence forever. Jesus takes their eyes and focuses them off of greatness in this life to greatness in the next and what that looks like because of that cup of suffering Jesus drank for us. But before we're too hard on James and John here, it's the other disciples aren't, to, aren't blameless here either. So they, they hear about this and, and they're indignant with the two brothers, it says. And so what it seems is going on here is is these disciples are thinking, hey, why didn't we think of this, right? Why didn't we bring our moms along and have Jesus, you know, give us places in the kingdom that are places of honor? And so Jesus pulls all of them together and says, all right, we got to have a talk here about what does greatness really look like in the kingdom, in life with me? What is greatness? And so he calls them together, verse 25, and he said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. But not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is saying to his disciples here, friends, and what he's saying to you and me is that greatness in God's kingdom, the key to a great life is not found in honor in the eyes of the world, but it's found in humble service. You know, if if you've been blessed to to raise kids, Kids in their teenage years, probably more than once you once said to them, you know, life is not about you. Uh, And you said that to them because it's the truth, right? And maybe this is a time for us to take our own advice, right? That life is not about you. (laughs) Jesus makes that very clear here. And this is something that we struggle with, isn't it? Desiring to find greatness in the eyes of the world by the things that we do, right? Wanting to be honored, Or wanting to find greatness and honor in the sight of God by the things that we do in our lives? I've heard it more than one time uh, from people that, you know, I got to take care of myself for once. Or, you know, this this me time type of thing, right? That I got to be thinking about myself. And and it's true that you you should take care of yourself, right? You you need to care for yourself uh, and, and make sure you're getting the right amount of sleep and you're eating properly and you're getting exercise and that you're taking care of your own faith and, and being in God's word and that you are growing your mind and learning new things and reading. And these things are beneficial to you, but they're also beneficial to, to everybody around you. But usually when people talk about me time, 
And they're talking about, um, you know, i got to have time for myself and put myself first. It's just that selfish, sinful nature rearing its ugly head. Right? It's, it's that pressure of the world around us that tells us that, that it's you first. And that's really at the heart of every single sin, isn't it? That me first attitude, me before God, me before others. And it's nothing but sin. And Jesus says that's not where greatness is found. It's, it's not found in putting you first and thinking about yourself first. It's found in service. It's found in coming to realize that being set free from your sinful flesh through Christ, that you are no longer under condemnation of that law, but you have been set free by the Spirit, that your life right now and where greatness is found in your life is realizing that everything I have, my time, my resources, my abilities, everything that's been entrusted to me in this life is a gift. And it's a gift that's been entrusted to me to serve God and to serve others. To serve the one who humbly served me first by laying down his life as a ransom for me. And then to look around and to see all the people that God has placed in my life to serve. Right, and just think about how this change in looking at, my, at your life would alter your relationships. Right, think about your marriage. Right, if it's rather than what's good for me, and instead you're thinking about your, the needs of your spouse first, how's that going to impact your marriage? If you think about your relationship with your children, and, and it's not just your time, but it's their time too. How will it impact your relationship with them? When you think about the abilities and the, and the resources that God has given you, be them you know, financial or material, that they weren't given to you just for you, but they were, used, were given to you to use in service to others, to bless others. Think about how freeing that is. That I don't have to worry about myself anymore because I know that God has already met every single one of my needs in Christ Jesus. But I am set free to live my life in service to others. That's where greatness in life is truly found. That's where we really find what we were created to do and to be as we are set free by Christ to love and to live and to serve for others around us. And friends, we're living in a time right now in our world where God is giving us extraordinary opportunities to serve, isn't he? So pray about that. Pray about how at this time, how life can be great right now as you are set free to serve, to serve your family, right? to serve those in need, especially in this time who are, who are facing difficulties that we've never faced before. What has God entrusted to you to use to serve on behalf of others in a time like this? Right? So that he might be given glory. So that he, the good of others might be served. Right? Life is great right now. Even in these times, as we have the opportunity to point others to Christ, to share the love of Christ, to share the hope that we know with the world. Dear friends, life is great. It really is. Because of Christ's 
life and death for us, and because of the life that we get to live in his kingdom with him right now as we get to serve. Life is great. No matter what's going on, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what you're struggling with, no matter what the future might hold, because Christ is our life, because because Christ gives us this new life to live with him, and because we have the promise that there is waiting for us that eternal life to come. And God will grant it. Amen.